Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff. And I am sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, actually our French Catholic Cafe. We are still uh, setting up shop here in Lourdes, France, and so we're so excited to be here on this pilgrimage. And of course, I'm joined with Robert Hutton. Uh, good morning, my, Deacon. How are you doing? How are you this doing? Uh, a little sleepy, but doing good. Too much uh, late at night eating in the cafes and uh, praying hard during the day. Yeah, and you're going to, well, you know what? If you have another one of those uh, uh, little cafes there, you're going to be able to wake up with all that. Uh, I know, gained caffeine. a lot of weight since we've been in this French cafe this for is all the, these many weeks. This is the place to be, though, if, you are, if you're thin. This is where you want to it come will. to France. It will. It will cure you of that and, it, and many other things as well. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we have a great show, Robert. We do. Uh, we're going to speak more on an international uh, level here About today. very important work. That's, That's right. right. But we're not using a lot of foreign languages, but we are going to speak internationally. That's right. We've been focusing a lot on the Order of Malta because this pilgrimage that we're doing here to Lourdes involves the Order of Malta. It's their pilgrimage we've come on. And so we have a lot of wonderful guests that are involved in the Order of Malta. We have two here involved in a wonderful part of the Order of Malta. It's called the Order of Malta Worldwide Relief. Very important part of what the Order does. Exactly right. And so we have Jeff Gamble. He's one of the Knights of Malta. He's actually a knight in obedience. And we have Dr. Pauline Olson, and she's a dame of uh, Malta. And so the two of you, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Thank, Thank you, you. Well, so tell us a little bit about what this important Order of Malta Worldwide Relief is all about. Uh, it is uh, the tool of the Order of Malta uh, to uh, send international uh, aid to uh, disaster areas. One of the, the missions of the Order of Malta is work with the sick and the poor, the, those that need relief and have great trials in their life, and, and that's what the Order is called to do. And so this is uh, a way that you all do this internationally. Exactly. And so what kinds of things do you do when you say, well, we just offer relief internationally? You don't just send a bucket of money somewhere? How, how, is this, how does this play out? Not at all. When uh, there is a disaster, uh, we send uh, uh, qualified volunteers, we send supplies, uh, we send money, of course, and uh, we uh, do emergency relief there. And then following that, we set up a long-term plan in these areas for rehabilitation and for recovery of these countries. So you do immediate relief when it's needed. I mean, I know in some of the situations you were in before anybody else, the Order of Malta was present in some of these uh, terrible uh, world disasters that we've seen in, in the past. And, but at the same time, you say you stay and, and help to rebuild things uh, to a certain degree. Exactly. For example, in Pakistan, that was a tremendous help to the people there because um, with the earthquake in 2005, Malteser International um, went in. They um, gave emergency relief, as I had just described, and then they stayed there fulfilling their long-term plan. So when the, earth, when the floods came uh, last year, uh, we were right there, and we were able to be very efficient in helping the flood victims, in evacuating them, 
providing temporary shelter, uh, providing food and medications and whatever was necessary. That's wonderful. Now, Jeff, I'm looking at your uniform, and I see some what appear to be military campaign buttons here. And they've got uh, uh, you've got Tsunami 2004, you've got Katrina 2005, and you've got Haiti on there. Now, that tells me that perhaps you were in some way involved in those particular, we'll call them campaigns, but in those particular uh, terrible tragedies for the, for, for the world. Yes, well, the Order of Malta um, in its history has been a military organization, but it's also in 900 years is really the world's oldest Christian charity, and along with uh, many centuries of, of military activities, it's always maintained hospitals and, uh, as, as Dr. Olson says, work with the sick and the poor. Um, the, the, the disaster uh, efforts uh, do involve some people on a volunteer basis. Uh, we, 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 norm- we have about 900 people that uh, I won't say that we actually employ them. We give them a stipend and they make a six-month commitment. Uh, usually part of that is training in areas such as, well, of course, doctors and nurses are already trained, but uh, uh, logistics, especially water and sanitation. And uh, so I, I uh, actually and my wife have participated in a number of these, uh, these efforts and uh, more or less a month apiece in uh, South Asia after the tsunami and, uh, and also in, in Haiti. And Where you go into the place yourself, Jeff? Is that what you do? Yeah, we, uh, in Haiti is a good example. I mean, my wife and I went in and, and set up uh, two clinics. And in the course of the month, I, I'm happy to say we treated about 4,000 people. And I say we treated. I'm a lawyer. My job was to get the permits so that we could operate. We've all seen on television the images, right? We've seen the images of, uh, of the terrible devastation in Haiti. And we'll see these sort of flashes on the news, just, just brief images of people seeming to wander aimlessly, crying. They don't know where family members are children wandering without parents, and, and we don't really get to sort of witness that on a first-hand basis. Can you describe for us in some way what it's like to be there? One of the things that attracted me to the orders, uh, Order of Malta's worldwide disaster relief was its efficiency, and, and I found it's one of the most difficult things in the world to take donations and translate it into actual aid for people who need it. There's so many opportunities in a disaster for people to siphon off things, and and somehow the people that actually need it, uh, it, it's a tremendously difficult task. I mean, even physical transportation uh, of food when an infrastructure uh, breaks down. There's no gasoline for for the truck. There's no truck. Uh, And and so, but the, the order has a tremendously good record of delivery, uh, and, and it's basically due to its ability to select local partners without regard to religion. Uh, in in uh, Haiti, for example, we allied ourselves with the Episcopal Church. They had a campus, they had a need, uh, their buildings were destroyed. Uh, in, in, in places like uh, uh, Asia, we have allied, allied ourselves with Muslim groups. Um, and so we tend to pick 
groups, we're, we're not handcuffed to anybody. We, we can pick the group that's most efficient to help us. Pauline, do you find that there's a, a level of acceptance and cooperation, or do you find a lot of uh, uh, challenges when you're, when you're on a worldwide basis? I know just me traveling to France is different than living in America, right? Just, there are yes. just cultural differences. Uh, there are many challenges. As you said, uh, cultural differences, language barriers are a major problem. Uh, But however, um, as Jeff has said, you know, uh, our worldwide relief uh, is very well organized. We tend to have volunteers who have had special training uh, in uh, different specialties, which uh, make us very well equipped. And when we go into an area, we have no um, political affiliation. We do have uh, respect for the uh, culture of the people, for their religions. And our aim is to be very objective uh, in uh, giving relief. Uh, The challenges, as I said, are the language barriers. We needed good interpreters and um, also um, uh, trying to um, understand the culture of the people, uh, trying to be uh, sensitive to their needs. I mean, I'm particularly familiar with medical care and uh, respecting and trying to uh, work as well as possible uh, with the um, local uh, physicians and nurses. That is And I know that can be challenging as well because sometimes the facilities are way different than what you're used to. Exactly. But uh, we really uh, try to cope with that as well as possible and uh, do our best. And uh, the satisfying part is that the people are really wonderful. You know, their eyes are full of misery, and, but uh, they're also full of gratitude. I've been in, in several countries, and I know that you guys have as well, but I remember uh, seeing the, the faces of the people. The faces of the people are just beautiful, right? And you can see, even if you didn't speak their language, you didn't understand their culture, you, you realize that these are wonderful human beings that deserve to have all the care that we're called as Christians to do. And even in a sort of a multicultural, multi-religion environment, we're still called to be Christ to those people. Are we not, Jeff? Is that, is that how that works? Absolutely. I mean, we do present the face of our Lord to people. Oftentimes, they're not Christian and uh, we're not out to convert them. We're simply out to bear witness to our faith to them and their response. I, I just, uh, uh, Pauline said something, and, and it just reminded me of, we are, we are strictly apolitical, and that works to our advantage. For example, when the typhoon hit in Myanmar or Burma, the Irrawaddy Delta, uh, the Order of Malta was one of the only groups that was permitted to distribute aid. Remember, even the United States was not permitted. And so we distributed aid, uh, care packages kind of thing for not only the German government and and the European Union, but also for the United States. And the U.S., I must say, very graciously permitted the generals in Myanmar to spray paint over the U.S. uh, flag and, and, uh, and put this was a gift of those generals. And sometimes we have to suffer through this kind of thing. They have their own agenda, their own program. 
but yet uh, the well, Christ has no nationality, right? I mean, yeah, yeah we know not. he was uh, he was a Jew, but he came for anyone who would accept him, right? And so I can see where you're being Christ to others, especially in a situation, yeah, where you're able to go in where it could be considered a hostile political environment that they don't want help from certain people. But when you're saying Look, we're tearing down the barriers right now of of our political or nation. Uh, identity, and we're now we're just being the, the human beings that we are called to be by God. It, it is, and it's reflected too in in uh, many nations that might be opponents of the United States in some respect, like Cuba. Uh, we found, for example, there that the Cubans set up a hospital near our clinics, and they came over and offered to fit prostheses for the amputees that were the result of, of surgery and the injuries in the earthquake. And they had these made very quickly in Havana and, and, and came back. And so while the U.S. And, and Cuba are opponents in these disasters, it's, it's really wonderful and, and, and certainly Christ-like to see human beings within those governments work together for the good of people. That's wonderful. We have much more to talk about in terms of the Order of Malta's worldwide relief. And uh, we're going to do that in just a moment, but want to remind everyone at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to uh, have you send me an email. Let me know what's going on in your life to uh, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so we will be right back. And this is another great moment in church history. How can someone so small and weak in the eyes of the world have such a tremendous impact on the spiritual lives of millions around the globe? St. Therese of Lisieux, better known as the Little Flower, was this small person. Born in France over a century ago, she has changed the spiritual landscape of the entire world. St. Therese believed that little things done with great love were more pleasing to God than the mightiest deeds. She wrote, Love proves itself by deeds, so how am I to show my love? Great deeds are forbidden me. The only way I can prove my love is by scattering little flowers. And these flowers are every little sacrifice, every glance and word, and the doing of the least action for love. The little flower grew up as the youngest of five living children. She was a sensitive child who felt things deeply. These deep feelings and her thoughtful attitude led her to a strong prayer life at a very young age. By her own account, she would find a quiet place and spend hours contemplating the love of the Heavenly Father. As Therese entered her teen years, her older sisters began to go into religious life. This led the little flower to seek entrance to the Carmelite Monastery at the tender age of 14. She was initially refused by the superiors of the order, but her persistence paid off by taking her appeal all the way to the Pope in Rome. The superiors of the order were impressed by her persistence and maturity and allowed her to enter the Carmelite order at the age of 15. The next nine years were spent in quiet contemplation and service inside the tiny convent in Lisieux. Toward the end of her time in the convent, she began to suffer from the effects of tuberculosis. Tuberculosis, a deadly infectious disease that attacks the lungs, 
leaves the sufferer with a chronic cough, fever, night sweats, and weight loss. St. Therese suffered seriously from this disease. She was reported to have said, I have reached the point of not being able to suffer anymore because all suffering is sweet to me. She accepted her affliction as a gift from God and saw it as a sign of his friendship with her. Little everyday things done in great love can lead us to a life of grace and deeper union with Christ. The little flower can show us the way. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth and sitting here in France. And, uh, uh, Robert, you're just about halfway down there with your uh, coffee there, and uh, it looked like you are enjoying it. It's very interesting. Very yeah. interesting to learn what we're learning about today. This is, uh, this is a wonderful conversation. Uh, and I want to pick up where basically where we left off. Pauline, I know you've just recently been to Haiti. What was that experience like for you? Did you, I mean, obviously you probably uh, encountered some folks and you probably had some personal experiences. Well, uh, Haiti is still uh, recovering and uh, desperately trying to recover uh, from the earthquake. Unfortunately, they've had uh, a lot of disasters in between, like the flooding, the typhoid, and cholera outbreaks. However, um, I just want to tell you um, one human interest story. Um, when uh, I was, uh, the day I was leaving Haiti, I was at a clinic in the southern part of the country, which is about a six-hour drive from Port-au-Prince. And um, I was seeing some patients, and uh, this uh, gentleman who was in his mid-40s about brought in this 13-year-old, and uh, his story was that um, uh, the boy had climbed a tree the day before. He was not going to school because they did not have any, they couldn't afford to send him to school. Uh, he uh, fell off the tree and they found him unconscious. This man was not his father because his father had died when he was an infant. Mm. He was his uncle and uh, he had raised him. So uh, he obviously um, had a fractured skull and probably um, a subdural hematoma and uh, needed immediate treatment. So um, we brought him in our jeep uh, to uh, the closest hospital and got him through the emergency room and got him admitted. And on the way, talking uh, to his uncle who was with him and asking about his family and that, he said, well, my wife is at home in labor. She's having oh, her uh, third baby, we hope. So I said, well, who's with her? Her mother is with her. So... Um, uh, we were hoping that everything would go well, and um, I returned to the States later that day, and I heard a week later that the boy was doing well, and uh, that uh, this man's wife had delivered a healthy baby girl. Oh, that's beautiful. And, you know, it's so interesting when you were saying that uh, the disaster that happened in Haiti immediately, but then all that aftermath, we take for granted in America that that there's going to be disaster relief already. There's already measures in place, right? I mean, I know the disaster is a disaster by definition, but we have infrastructure. We have uh, 
a good medical system, an excellent medical system. We have all kinds of uh, stopgap measures, things that are there built in place that when there is a disaster that things will kind of move into relief mode automatically. And in some of these cultures, they don't have any of that. And so we see this devastation. And here's a man who's in the middle of already some event in his life. You know, his wife's having a baby where, you know, every father worries through that those moments. They're anxious about that event. And then this terrible uh, catastrophe happens. And then there's his, uh, his nephew and... Uh, just all these things coming together, it's just very interesting. And uh, something that's very basic to us in the U.S. is, uh, you know, doing uh, deliveries. And as an obstetrician, one of the things I know that uh, with the international relief, we make maternity kits. And this is very basic, but there's a high incidence of neonatal tetanus Uh, in uh, these countries and this is very frightening because all of these newborns die because the cord is cut with unsterile uh, scissors or knives. Again, things that we take for granted Exactly. So we have these maternity kits while we can't do the deliveries but we can give them ahead of time to pregnant women. Can you uh, tell me one question I had uh, Jeff and Pauline is if, could you give us some details? Like when you go do disaster relief, you said you get there quickly. What do you do? How quickly, like in Haiti, what did you do? What specifically did the Order of Malta do, and how quickly did they do it? Well, there are no rules, uh, Robert, and, and that's one, there's no script because disasters happen wherever and in whatever country they might be, uh, including Katrina in the United States. And so you, you really play it by ear. I, uh, since I had a responsibility for uh, Malta disaster relief in the Americas, uh, the, uh, the headquarters requested I, I get to Haiti as soon as I could. So I, I took a plane to Santo Domingo, and um, I then, as luck would have it, uh, I, I'm a former Marine and served in Vietnam, and I ran into some Marines, and they offered uh, a ride on a Homeland Security helicopter from Santo Domingo to, uh, to the embassy compound in Port-au-Prince. How long after the earthquake? Uh, two days, maybe. But even at that, uh, the uh, group that, that, that came in, the assessment team from Germany, beat me. They came in and they This they is a Malta assessment Malta team? Malta assessment team. And they came in uh, and went overland 13 hours in a bus. Uh, to reach that. And then I had to find them in a city in chaos, and we eventually caught up. And w- one of the things in a, dis- in a disaster is you don't want every aid group in the same place uh, crawling all over each other. You really have to find a way to fan out, and, and it's almost uh, by ear that you, you, know, you go in one direction or you hear that they have a need somewhere else. And I see an case. image of like just really, again, back to the military <laughs> connection is like in the middle of a, of a war when things, bombs are going on. Like you, you have to kind of organize in some way so that you can have the best and most effective advance. Uh, yes, Deacon Jeff. It's like the kind of disorder in a war. I mean, there is no order. There's no infrastructure. The police aren't active. And in Haiti, uh, the, the prisons uh, basically were destroyed, and 3,000 criminals all of a sudden flood onto the streets and Just back into society. Just one more thing to <laughs> and make it complex. So it's a, it's a challenging environment. And, and again, there are no rules. So, so how quickly did we get to, what, what was the order's 
primary mission in Haiti and how quickly did, when you assessed the situation, found a place, what, what did Order of Malta Worldwide Relief do? We realized that, uh, at least in the south, uh, there's a hospital the order supports in the north that was was able to take people because it was an area that was not uh, completely devastated by the quake. But in the south, we realized that clinics were the, the best thing we could do. There were a tremendous number of refugee camps set up because the buildings were destroyed, and indeed people would not go into concrete buildings. They were afraid. I mean, you had... had uh, you know, close to 300,000 people killed when these when these roofs collapsed, and uh, they and and so w- we thought we'd better get to the south of Port-au-Prince, where a lot of people were, and who had need of both medical care and and then uh, sanitation, uh, clean water, and and then as as Pauline indicated, the long-term view is really economic rehabilitation, and uh, we 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 normally stay for three to five years. Did you set up hospitals or did you? Well, we, we set up clinics, field clinics. Um, the, the hospitals were destroyed and uh, the University of Notre Dame, for example, in the town of Leogan, uh, near where we had set up a clinic, eventually set up a, a field hospital, a tent hospital, and we, could, we were able to intake uh, people and who needed more care than we could give them in a clinic and send them to that. And again, it's all coordination, making contact in a place where there's no electricity, no phones, no nothing. And I can tell from talking to you that you guys don't do this because uh, uh, it's your job, right? There's obviously a love here, and there's obviously an a, a apparent um, uh, a genuineness in your acting in the, in the way that Christ intended us to act. And Pauline, I mean, is this uh, for you? Is this a... a do you receive any personal gratification in terms of, uh, uh, or at least is your soul uplifted in any way in, in all of this? I think that's an obvious answer, but, but what are your thoughts about what you get out of all this? Because I know you're busy giving all this aid to others, but do you benefit from this process? Uh, yes, I do. Well, as uh, Jeff said earlier, and I uh, alluded to that the mission of the order is to take care of the poor and the sick. And uh, in going to these areas, we certainly uh, do fulfill that mission. And uh, I think the gratitude of the people is so overwhelming that that in itself uh, gives one a feeling of great satisfaction. And uh, even though, uh, you know, you feel that what you're doing in these areas is like a drop in a bucket, but uh, it does mean a lot. And uh, the organization uh, of um, our order and its skilled volunteers, uh, its... um, a financial aid to these countries long-term means a lot. Well, this is very beautiful, and thank you so much for, for uh, sharing this with us. Uh, Jeff and Pauline, the work uh, of the order in this regard, the Order of Malta Worldwide Relief, is so desperately needed, and we're, we're honored and privileged to have you guys here to tell us more about it. And so uh, we thank you so much for joining us here in the Catholic Cafe. Thank, thank you, Deacon. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, you sent your Son that we might have life and have it abundantly. And your grace and mercy are offered freely to those who live all over the world. Help us to share in your desire that those in need, wherever they may live, are cared for in the example of the selfless love of Jesus Christ. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.